Lori Houston's News for the Heart is dedicated to helping you give a voice to your own soul. Our hearts have the power to free us from pain and the struggles that keep us from awakening to our true essence. Join Lori now as we delve into our heart and soul to find the path that will open us to the possibilities and lead us to the life we love to live. Hey, good afternoon. This is News for the Heart. I'm very excited today because I get to I get to interview a guest that I had on, well, several years ago. Um, it's Jessica Shepard, and she wrote a book called A Love Alchemist's Notebook, and I really loved um, interviewing you. And then you came out with two books recently. One's called Karmic Dates and Momentary Mates. And the other one's called Venus Signs. And I know that that's the most recent ones. I want to talk about both of them because I think I, I, I just like how they combined. And I kind of like how both of them are very similar for me because they both have, um, well, they both have um, the, sorry, the, they both have Neptune energy in them. And so it's, it's just, it just was interesting because I never really looked at, well, I really like your new book or the book on the karmic dates because it talks about karmic relationships and it talks about the fifth house. And I've never really looked at that before. I think that that's a fascinating topic. And of course, Venus, well, we've all looked at our Venus. It's, it's, you know, it's an important piece, especially for women. So I'm really happy to have you on the show. Thanks for coming, Jessica. Thanks for having me back, Lori. Mm-hmm. It's really, it was really fun talking with you last time. And I'm looking yeah. forward to it. Yeah. I enjoy that. Okay. So, <laughs> okay. So let's talk first because the karmic, uh, karmic dates was the one that came out furthest from here. So let's talk about a little bit about what the fifth house means and how you see that as karmic and just how it works. Yeah. So, um, the kind of impetus for the karmic dates book, interestingly enough, was um, a love alchemist notebook. When I was doing my own magical spiritual work for pulling in my true love, um, I definitely realized that there were some people I was pulling into my life and attracting that weren't meant to stay with me forever, but clearly I was meant to get some kind of lesson around. And I just, that was kind of my take throughout a Love Alchemist notebook is that I, I developed this kind of lens on seeing relationships um, really as, uh, well, the people that come into our lives, our teachers, our, we have somebody to exchange a, a gift, um, a lesson. Um, and, and these relationships, though, are not always forever relationships, as I was learning. Um, so, that's how kind of karmic dates came or karmic mates came onto my radar. And I, I had a little piece in the love alchemist notebook about how to identify the difference between your soulmates and your karmic, your karmic mates. So, um, I ended up just kind of taking this, exploring this further. Um, and, uh, it was a couple of things that culminated. My husband had a crazy, interesting dream, which I tell about at the beginning of, um, karmic dates, the book in which he envisioned a, um, what happened was what came to him was a, a kind of Oracle woman in this dream who had the ability to 
distinguish the type of karma we share with people. And she could see these kind of colorful cords and kind of could tell from the density and texture and color what it was about. And, and people would come to her from all over to get resolution on these relationships that were still in their heart and they, they, but had some element of, of, um, unfinished business. So there was that piece. He had that dream and he said to me, I think this dream is for you. Mm-hmm. And then I, um, came across or around the same time I came across some information, um, in a few astrology books, um, And it was just like one-liners, but it just hit me. Um, One thing was what Isabel Hickey said, who um, she was a very famous astrologer, um, and she kind of a spiritual, esoteric astrologer. But she said that uh, in her descriptions of the fifth house, said that the fifth house has to do with karma resulting from the wrong use of will and love. And then um, my teacher and mentor, Stephen Forrest, who I've studied with for years, um, I could just pick up little tidbits. And there was some point where I heard a tidbit about um, unfinished business, fifth house relationships. And I thought, hmm, this is really interesting. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go there. So I went there. I went there with my clients and with my work. And I just started investigating how this played out. And what I discovered was that um, planets in the fifth house um, seem to indicate a higher level of short-term relationships, um, unfinished business with people who are not necessarily meant to stay in your life forever. And then I kind of went deeper with that and, and explored some of the ideas around, well, then what are are these people in our life for? And can we get specific if we have a sign and planet there? And so that's what I did in my book. Cool. Yeah. Okay. So we all know that there are karmic relationships and there are soul group relationships or however people, some people talk about them. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, there are lots of people that stay in karmic relationships all their lives. (laughs) And of course there are some that, you know, that pass by quickly. And sometimes we even have soul relationships from our soul group that pass by quickly, um, depending on each other's journey and where you're meant to, to go. Mm-hmm. But how did, okay, so I get where you came up. So how do you know, do you know, do you know by looking at the compatibility between the two people, whether it falls into the fifth house or how does it, how does it specifically, how do you look at it that way? And really my orientation as an astrologer, even though I do, I'm all about relationship, I always start with the individual. So I always start with the individual chart because I feel like we can learn so much just from looking at one person's chart. So I literally look at your fifth house. Um, and that's where I begin. Um, I, I, you know, do you have a planet there? Um, you have several planets there. Right. Uh, these are kind of indicators that, that there's going to be a particular quality, according to the planet, of, of shared karma. And then I just really, with my clients, I, I just describe it. I describe what that experience might be and what that would feel like. And also noting that the fifth house does have this kind of 
as you mentioned, we stay with our karmic mates sometimes longer than we should. And um, it does have this compulsive quality of trying to get something from somebody. And I think that goes back to that right use of will and love that Hickey mentioned. Um, so we're, we're trying to get this something from somebody that has the quality of uh, partic- the particular planet or planets in our house. And so that's, that's how I start out identifying it. And I'm honestly, I'm, I'm kind of young in my research. I mean, um, let's see, I first started looking into this probably in 2012. So I don't have like a ton of sinistry. And, you know, some people have been writing me saying, well, you know, what if their planets fall on my fifth house planets? Is that common? And so I think there's a lot of variables at play here too. Um, and I talk about that in, in uh, karmic dates as well, how, to, how like, maybe you don't have a fifth house planet, but um, somebody else has a fifth house planet that you're dating, right. then you can, you can partake <laughs> in that shared <laughs> karma. Lucky you. You don't even have to have a fifth house planet because I've seen that too. So right. there's a lot of different avenues, I guess is what I'm saying, to, to arrive at the same place. And I just find it a useful kind of theoretical framework that I'm kind of drilling deeper into as we go on. And unfortunately, I have Saturn in my fifth house for almost another two years, actually. I think it is two years. (laughs) So it's like... By transit, you're saying. In transit, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. (laughs) Does that mean that everybody I meet is going to be karmic? (laughs) (laughs) I, 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 I don't know you, I would, I would like you to report back, but okay. um, they're definitely, um, what I've observed with transits again, with my limited experience, but uh, what I've observed with transits is, is, um, you know, that quality of energy can come into that area of our life. So you may have more experiences with Saturn people, um, you know, and, and let's, let's also make this bigger. It's not just about lovers. It's right. about right. friends. It's about playmates. It's about you might have experiences with people, you know, you being on, on the world stage you're on, you know, professional contacts, which Saturn rules, people who help you do more fifth house Leo things like get bigger. Um, but, you know, the Saturn person will like, let's take this slowly and let's take this methodically and let me help you and maybe give you some professional contacts and advice. So, having a Saturn flavor, but, um, there are multiple ways that can play out. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So I have Neptune in my fifth house, mm-hmm. which is very much, you know, kind of goes with who I am. Very spiritual. Um, I like, you know, I like the fantasy world. I like mm-hmm. playing in that field. And then when the Venus signs that I looked up, I, I mean, I've always known that I have Venus in Pisces, but the two of them, they're very similar energies. Well, well, the, well, Neptune rules Pisces, but I mean, they're a very similar energy. Mm-hmm. They're very similar. Now I have, I have Venus in my ninth house, <laughs> again, <laughs> kind of a spiritual mm. house. <laughs> That is fascinating. So what, yeah, so what is your takeaway from that? (laughs) I'm going to ask you, what do you think of that? Well, I guess, you know, being on the spiritual journey, it's certainly Mm -hmm. in alignment with, uh, with both of those. Sure. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, um, 
you know, one aspect of the fifth house and Venus, both are fun, shared pleasures. You know, right. we, we enjoy doing Neptune. You, you have a good time. You get, get a lot of juice and vitality, which is the fifth house as well, out of, out of meeting your Neptune partners in life. And um, then you have the wonderful Venus in Pisces, which says, yeah, you can, you can bliss out um, with just about anybody you meet. And that's kind of a part of your, you know, astrological DNA is to, to bring that Pisces energy to your partners. Right. Yeah. Which is true. I mean, I very much, you know, I'm obviously very outgoing and I do enjoy, it's funny though. I have had a few years where I, you know, I got, um, two frozen shoulders and I just had like a slew of things happen that it just, it made my energy want to very much withdraw, even though, um, with my shows and stuff, I'm very, but it, I kind of, I've kind of withdrew and kind of hibernated for the last couple of years. So it's, it's interesting because that energy that you're talking about is so me. And yet I've kind of been, um, hibernating. And yet that's also Pisces and Neptune as well, right? right. Because this is the, the 12th sign of the Zodiac and Pisces, which Neptune belongs to. And, and this is the sign that's the end, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, I'm tired. I need to go within. I need to restore myself. I need to retreat and to um, regroup and also to kind of shelter yourself from different energetic influences you know i would imagine with venus and pisces you're you're pretty vulnerable to uh picking up on things from other people and so (laughs) periodic retreats you know especially when you need to consolidate your energy um to heal makes absolute sense for that Mm -hmm. interesting well there you go yeah <laughs> and I would have to look at your chart to actually you know, yes. get the big picture, yes. give you more than my little superficial diagnoses. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I I did have my Chiron return, so I kind of oh. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It sort of all fits in, but Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so why do you why do you think you focus a lot of your well, all of your books have been on relationships. What, why is that important to you? Well, I, in addition to be a le- being a Libra rising, which is mm. relationship, a relationship, <laughs> how, yeah, how I meet the world, <laughs> and uh, I tend to view everything in the lens through the lens of relationship. That's just kind of like, oh, I'm built that way. Um, but you know, I, I, I just love you know, relationship and love, we are here to learn from love. We are here to, um, to try and fulfill our soul, soul purpose, um, and our partners and their support or lack thereof, or their role in our situations and circumstances that we meet throughout life is so important. I always think, I like to say that you know, think of one monumental event in your life that didn't involve other people. And it's like impossible. And, and other people are there holding the space or not, or, and, and, and kind of supporting and facilitating our growth. Um, and, uh, you know, I also think that, I mean, there's so many of us that, that get, 
at least I, I hear from them, get stuck on love, you know, and, and, and that the relationship is a, a source of confusion, um, a source of pain, or there's lack of clarity around how to move forward, and um, or there's an inability to move on and beyond from uh, a relationship and the course it's taken. So I just, you know, what do we have to learn here? How can we um, be changed and opened up and healed even by those people in our life, um, even those who are, break our heart, even those people who break our heart or who leave us have something to contribute to our evolution. And that's, that's how I feel. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a, a kind of a profound kind of calling to me to explore um, how, how uh, we can help each other. Yeah. It's, you know, I tell almost everybody, I mean, everything is relationships. It doesn't matter whether it's intimate relationships or like you said, I mean, it's, it's everything. It's our coworkers, it's our family, it's, you know, everything is about relationships. And that's the only way that we grow on a spiritual path. Um, sometimes mm-hmm. it's a little bit more difficult than others, but certainly, you know, everything is about relationships. That's, and especially women, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, more so maybe than any, but, um, because men seem to focus on their career and seem to have this more expectation about relationships. And we kind of, we, we put everything in, in contacts around relationships and they sort of put it in career yet they still have this intuitive knowing about relationships. It's kind of interesting, but so I, I get that now you didn't. Okay. So that's the one thing you didn't really talk necessarily about is Mars. Is that going to be your next book? (laughs) (laughs) Mars. I might leave that book to somebody else. Uh, Like a guy. (laughs) Maybe. I mean, um, my, my colleague and friend, April Kent, she has this wonderful uh, lecture right now. And she says it's going to be a book, but it's entitled Mars needs woman. I, I, I like that because I feel like men are really good at doing Mars. You know, they're like trained from birth to, to do the provider, warrior, protector thing. And, you know, women just in this past century have, right. have had to step up or, you know, we've been given the opportunity to, to step into our Mars right. in ways that we haven't, you know, in the past. We, we relied on our protectors not that we still don't and not that there's not a place for that. I believe in the yin and yang and it's all in great balance, but but yeah, the the Mars is is uh how to do the Mars is a good good question too and I I don't I don't know if I'm going to tackle that. With <laughs> I like the god of war. I'd rather like stay with the goddess of love personally. <laughs> uh, I agree, although I think the Mars is that I mean, for women, the Mars is more about sex and that, um, that kind of more primal, primal connection with somebody. Well, related to intimacy, you're absolutely right. It is that Jody Stephen Forrest will say sex below the belt is Mars. (laughs) Sex above the belt is Venus. There you go. (laughs) Yeah, it is primal. It's physical and it's very real and connected to our survival. So it's, um, 
absolutely an important archetype and I almost are almost to Mars right now. Let me just say that <laughs> so that I don't walk around with a target on my head today. <laughs> you don't want to do a book on me. <laughs> I'm going to drive a red car and honk it right behind you. <laughs> you know how astrology works. It's yeah. quite magical, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, that, uh, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and Venus and Mars that, you know, together they they could, they say a lot about, um, the chemistry of of a person sexually and sensually and as well as compatibility between two people. Right. And because mm-hmm. of Pisces and Neptune, for me, it's it's the way I connect with someone. Yeah. Completely. Right. Yeah. And of course, I have Mars in my seventh house. Oh. Along with my, um, with my son. But yeah. <laughs> Well, I think a seventh house book is on my agenda ah. because I have that material in the, in the, st- I have all these words that I need to <laughs> transform into books, but nice. yeah, Mars in the seventh house, um, that, that is, um, you encounter your Mars through other people, right. you encounter your Mars through in, in relationship and, and that's a, that's a tricky one. I mean, I have Aries on my descendant too, so I can relate. Uh. I'm a Libra rising, so right. Mars rules my seventh house. So I uh, welcome to the jungle <laughs> of other people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so I get I get the karmic thing because I think that that really to me, well, the fifth house is important to relationships anyway. But I think I like I like how you've kind of switched around and and chosen the karma aspect, because that's, I don't think there's anybody else that does that. So I think that's kind of cool. Why did you write Venus signs? Oh, Venus signs, um, was a totally different beast. Um, she came to me because, um, women, well, I was, I was essentially writing an advice column at the time. And, uh, I was fielding a lot of questions from heartbroken people, people who were feeling lost in themselves or yearning for that partner. And, you know, I'm a Taurus and he's an Aries. How is it ever going to work? And all of these kind of, I don't mean this in a negative way. Well, you know, it sounded kind of desperate. (laughs) (laughs) These emails, I I guess it is kind of negative. You know, it it sounded self-diminishing to me a lot of the tone of the the focus on this this um getting getting the love um or um getting the person to love me making them love me mm-hmm. kind of thing or or just like i'm so it's been so long i'm just giving up you know it's been so long since i've had a, a good relationship or you know am, am i done mm-hmm. and <laughs> they're like oh man so I, I, I wanted to, I just kind of what came through me was this burst of wanting to lift people up. Just that's how it appeared. And it was like, I wanted to hold up the mirror and go look at how fabulous you are. Can you see that you have this wonderful Venus in Leo or this wonderful Venus in Pisces and how many gifts and how many talents and this, this, that you have, how many skills, how beautiful you are, how, how sexy you are. And maybe 
if you invited your own Venus into your life, um, life could be this big and epic and wonderful. You know, it, it could be all of, of this kind of promise of, of happiness that we're all looking for. So that was my very lofty aspiration to, to kind of help people to hold up the mirror and, and see the beauty, see the value of the self. And do you think that that's what Venus does? Like that's where our self-worth and our confidence comes from? Um, well, so Venus does <clears throat> orbit closely to the sun and she does, is that glyph of the handheld mirror. So I do see her as kind of a mirror to the self. Yeah. And, um, she, uh, she can inspire us, um, with kind of the, the person we are and the truths we have and the values we have and the beauty that we bring into the world and what we can create. Um, but we do have to know to look. That's, that's the thing I'm kind of realizing about Venus. We have to look. We have to look at what's there and, and kind of lift ourselves up. Or, or, you know, Venus is the archetype of, of connection. And so often our closest relationships will do that for us, will value us, will honor us, will respect us, will see our gifts, will lift us up. I mean, hopefully that's what our closest relationships are doing for us. All right. Yeah. And why do you think it's so hard for us to, to have this confident, feel confident and attractive? I think a lot of, there are a lot of reasons. Um, I think first, uh, culturally we, we, our Venus has been buried under what I call false programming. Um, media does an excellent job of reinforcing um, an ideal, especially onto women that 95% of us don't fit into, but a hundred percent of us try to fit into it. And um, if Venus is our own unique archetype of beauty and value and worth, you know, and we're trying to mold ourselves into something that is not us, that's a huge disconnect. That's, that's a, potential Venus fragmentation or, you know, you need, if there's somebody could do this Venus soul retrievals, maybe I should start doing those, but <laughs> we really need to get those pieces of Venus back from that. And then, you know, then there's the, I know you talk about this a lot, Lori, is the ideal of romantic love and, and how culture pushes that on us and, um, and kind of convinces us that, you know, this is all there is. And it's the Disney romance. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, from birth, a woman is supposed to look for her prince. And it's just, you know, ridiculous. There are so many different types of love in the world. And I just, my sister just had a, a baby, her very first child. And she's just come into her Venus and cancer in a way that I've never seen. And there's mother love. There's, you know, this is a fulfilling, valuable, um, completely valid love, right? And there's love for pets and there's, there's all kinds of love, love for beauty. And, and so, you know, those are, those are um, a few reasons why it's, I think it's hard for us. But even then going deeper, you know, we have, have a list and I'll read it to you. Sure. <laughs> Because I think that it's important. I think that it's important because, like I said, I'm, I, I feel like um, 
one of the issues with Venus is actually even recognizing that she's there sometimes. Mm-hmm. So if she, if your Venus is in an enchanted slumber, I like to say, how did she lose her way? And so ask yourselves, like, do you habitually make others' desires central instead of your own? So give an example of that. Um, well, it's important that you, you know, as my, uh, let's say we're, I'm in a partnership and mm-hmm. it's important for my partner to, my partner likes to travel, you know? And so I want to be with my partner, so I'm going to go travel with my partner, mm-hmm. but I'm a homebody. Ah. So at a certain point, I need to have my desires and needs met too. And I need you to be here at home with me. Right. So whose desires are you going to make central? You know, if you're, if, ideally it's a balance, a compromise, right? And that's right. what Venus can help us with is to learn, you know, oh, my Venus sign is cancer. Your Venus sign is Sag or it's in the ninth house, you know? And, and so there's a difference here and how are we going to work this out? Um, but to, to put one person's preferences and, and pleasures in front of another is just a re- recipe for a really sad Venus, a really unhappy Venus in ourselves. Um, as is having our desires met making our, making our desire, having our desires met, making it dependent on another person's approval. Like, oh, if you approve of me, <laughs> I want to go take an art class. Do you approve? No. Okay. <laughs> you know? I, I know it sounds silly, but people do this all, all the time in time. relationships, right? We're time. laughing. But... We are laughing, but that's, it's, it's like, it's this need for us to feel liked by everybody. It's our need that, you know, we'll put other people, you know, especially women, because it's kind of how we were trained. It's yeah. like so unconscious these days. I mean, I mean, yeah. no, hopefully these days it's becoming more conscious. But, you know, when we were young, it was just this unconscious belief that, you know, women were to be seen and not heard. Women were, you know, we were supposed to to show everybody like we were supposed to be liked and always do things for others to, to, so that we could be liked and we weren't authentic and we weren't ourselves and we forgot even who we were. Yeah. Yeah. And, and speaking to that, I mean, you know, at one time, not too long ago, if we did exercise our voice, if we did do something that our partner husband as a woman did not approve of, we were subject to huge punishments. So, if not death, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Violence and death, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I think that there's something in our, you know, again, DNA or in our humanness and as women that we're all kind of working with um, that we may not know how to name, you know, and, and maybe it's in our collective unconscious, this deep fear of letting other people down or be, not pleasing them or disappointing them may have roots in, in those times when not doing those things did mean death, mm-hmm. right? So that's, that's my little, but yeah. And also how, just to kind of, how does Venus lose her way? Our mothers, there, mm-hmm. she's our first role model as women. For us, um, a, a role model of femininity. How did she relate to her own body? How did she relate to her beauty? How did she relate? Does she value herself? Does she see herself worthy and uh, independent of what other people thought about her? Or was she concerned with appearance? I mean, all of these this programming that, that we get from our, our original Venus, 
you know, our first venous contact, right. we internalize into our bodies. And so a lot of women, once you get talking with them about their venous and how they really feel about themselves and why they don't feel sexy and why they don't feel confident and why they don't feel beautiful, that's where it goes. It goes back to those times of, um, of mother connection when, um, when the maybe mom was cut off from her own sensual side. Right? Or maybe she subtly shamed us when we were growing breasts or, you know, wanting to wear sexy clothes, you know. And so there's these, these messages, too, that we have to look at um, in order to kind of, um, I say, maybe awaken Venus or also um, individuate our Venus, kind of take her back. Okay. Um So you talk about how Venus can be our fairy godmother and lead us into fulfillment, but you also talk that she can be our evil queen, which is our source of disconnection and frustration. Talk about that. Mm. Yeah. So um, our Venus uh, has a shadow. (laughs) Uh, Every every Venus sign will have a shadow. Um, And that shadow expresses, it's funny because it's the same urge. It's, I want to be loved. I want to connect with you. I want, I want your affection. I want your companionship. Um, but some ways of trying to get that are self-defeating and actually, um, you know, uh, do the opposite of uh, kind of giving us the opposite of what we really want. So, um, we all kind of have our our specific little dirty Venus secret, I'm sure. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> several of them are Venus shadow where we, um, we kind of uh, go into negative Venus behaviors instead of positive ones. And, and, you know, kind of one general example is kind of a, a how we don't ask for what we want, but we expect our partner to know (laughs) I'd like to say to have our desires met we need to learn to ask for them but that's a logical and hard lesson to learn as well Um, so that's a kind of general there's a general of of, uh, of kind of how we do general shadowy Venus behaviors but then there's a specific specific to your astrological sign Um, So, you know, if, if let's say um, Venus and Pisces, for example, just to pick on you. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> I call good witch and bad witch, right? So the bad witch, when, when there's kind of a, uh, you're standing in the shadows of your Venus sign, uh, maybe kind of is one of the qualities of Venus and Pisces is, is overwhelming generosity, like that's that's a positive right but negatively what if you're not discerning what if you accept every you want to be generous with everybody you know this, i say mm-hmm. just as the sea accepts and refuses no one venus and pisces can be indiscriminately open to dating anyone or taking any stray under her care it's like <laughs> pisces is a sign of strays or for some reason your sign just like Sure, I have an extra bedroom in our in my house. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, 
again, Venus is a principle of discernment. So learning, you know, who is right for us is a big part of the Venus quest. So, um, so yeah, or Venus and Pisces bad, which unconscious fantasy life can impede the practical checks and balances of real relationship. I had a Venus and Pisces client. She was talking about this man in present tense as if they were in a relationship. I said, Are, how long has it been since you've talked to this person? She was like, oh, it's been a few years. But I know he would think this way if I told him that. And, that he, and she had built this whole literally this fantasy um, around how, you know, how they would be sitting together and he would bring this problem to her and she would, she would kind of give her very generous and sweet and loving, you know, acceptance to him. And he would go, Oh, and he would wake up and then he would see how beautiful she was. I mean, it was elaborate. It was <laughs> elaborate. And I was like, gobsmacked. I was like, Oh, you know, it was Venus and Pisces in action, but it was a shadow because she wasn't actually connecting. You know, she wasn't, she, there was that yearning, even though I do feel sometimes there's a place, you know, for this, this, the fairy tale that keeps us in the game, keeps right. us here. Um, but again, when you're in the shadow, it's hard to connect. It's hard to get the affection and love and um, companionship you want. And I like to say, you know, it just as the sun, you can't stand in the sh shadow of the sun and the sun at the same time. So you just kind of step to the other side, just move to the light side, the good witch, and you pull on, you know, practicing the positive um, qualities that do help you connect. Like, um, you know, my eyes are wide open to people who have emotional issues or a poor relationship to reality. And I'm learning to be discerning about my partnerships using my sixth sense, which Venus and Pisces has this wonderful, beautiful intuition and um, this kind of ability to, to tune in and really get whole body impressions of people. So, um, you know, you step into the light side and, and you're not in the dark. It's interesting, as you were talking about that, I mean, really, it's, it's the same thing always. It's, you know, are you, are you making your choices from a place of love? Or are you making your choices from a place of fear? Mm. And typically, you know, the people, the wrong people, or if there's such a thing as the wrong person, because everybody's teaching us something, but usually the relationships that are more karmic-based or... Um, that are really there as a really good teacher of something, you know, mm -hmm. it's, you know, we stay in those because of fear. We stay in them because, you know, I don't know, we get this, what if there isn't something else? And right. I, I just, I can't believe there's two things that I hear over and over and over again. One, the person that says, well, what if it's, there isn't anything else? It's like, well, first off, I mean, you've, you've closed them in a box that they now can't, they can't grow from and you can't grow from because you, you're seeing problems, but you're not working on them. And the other is, you know, when they're ready to leave a relationship and they don't talk to, to each other, it's like they can't communicate it. It's like, well, mm. what's your fear now? Because you're ready to walk, step out anyway. So is that, mm. but it's funny how people can realize they're not, beneficial for each other and yet still the fear that they have is the rejection so that if they reject you first <laughs> it'll make you feel worse <laughs> than if you just 
leave them without communicating. <laughs> it's, it's funny how people, I mean, we get so caught up in our fears. We get so tied up in knots with our fears. And, you know, maybe it's like, you know, survival fears too. Really like, sure. you know, how can I make it without a partner in life? And that's a reality for <laughs> most people because we need, we need people, you know, and um, people are, are, you know, if we, if we're in a marriage, there's money and dependencies. If we have kids, it's just, you know, it, it can seem so complex and overwhelming. And yet, and one of the things I point out or I talk about in, in karmic dates is, but, but uh, you're, you're creating more problems. You're, you're creating potentially even future karma and pain exactly. by staying where you are and staying stuck. You know, when a communication class or a therapist or, a, you know, just keep moving forward. Because mm-hmm. if you're not moving forward, you know, you're, you're creating ripples that are going to not only impact yourself, especially if kids are involved. That's, that's really sad. It's like probably the saddest when, when people um, are in, you know, relationships that they, they can't leave or they can't figure out and they're in turmoil and pain around and they stay in it for years. And who bears the brunt of that besides the two people in the relationship, the kids. Exactly. So yeah, I, I I hear you and it. it's it's um so I say you know if a relationship <laughs> it takes takes on a kind of compulsive quality of like trying to get something you know if only this person would just a b c d and e um that's a sign <laughs> there's something that's gone awry and if you're with your karmic date that's a that's a sure sign that you know you you've kind of left that space of, you know, when we're with our soulmates, we see all of them and we accept all of them and we love the wholeness, even though we see they're not perfect. Yeah. When, we're, when we're with our karmic dates, we just focus on that thing that they can't get right to us. And if we stay in that, that energy for years, oh my God, <laughs> I, just, I just don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't, you know, maybe that's my unique orientation in my Aquarius on my fifth house cusp. I'm like, I'm moving on. <laughs> I'm out here. <laughs> I don't want this. <laughs> I get <But> yeah. that. <laughs> I'm an Aquarius. Um, my son's an Aquarius. So I, uh, Aquarius is kind of kind of I, I get that Mars is also an Aquarius but yeah I can yeah the freedom the you know and and the the need for just to be yourself and when there's right. a restriction on you yeah you know let's 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 um let's not be living in a prison together yeah yeah I just I, my whole thing is the communication thing because mm. I mean there's so many things that happen with that because if you're not communicating and you know so much is based on perception, which is usually false, especially when there's so much fear involved. So our perception usually is what's keeping that person in this box that neither of you can grow because you can't see past the illusion that you've created that you believe is real. And, you know, everything is about growth. So, I mean, no one's ever a mistake. And we can grow so much more. But if you're not going to grow in the relationship that you're in, to communicate more authentically and to talk. And I mean, obviously you don't stay in, in an abusive relationship, but if you can't communicate in, in a, 
you know, an intimate relationship, I mean, you're not growing. And so the very next relationship you have is very likely going to be something very similar. Mm. Start off differently, but, you know, in the end, it'll be... Same song, different day. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. That's, it's like, why not start here today yeah. <laughs> with the one you're with and, and learn those communication tools and, and learn how to s- understand what projection is and, and when it's coming at you and how to see through that and how to understand what's his and what's yours and, and how to see the constructive criticism and drop the rest. I mean, all of these relationship uh, skills take time and uh, and commitment actually yeah. to to understand and I, I read your 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 um, February newsletter and you were you were talking about that you mentioned that everybody kind of wants the prize of the relationship but once you're in it you know that's the work <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly and, yeah and it's like well why would why would that other person smell so sweet and make you feel so wonderful if it wasn't lure if they weren't luring you in to do some deep work on yourself you know we need that kind of motivation um, <laughs> good point human beings yeah yeah <laughs> now i get i get the intuitive sense that you you have three teenage stepdaughters Mm-hmm. And I, I get a sense that they had something to do with it. I know one that's one of your questions, but I get a sense that they there was there was something really connected with them and Venus signs. Yeah, I, I feel like my own inner teenager is is connected to Venus in an interesting way because um, I think Venus holds a lot of sway over young adults mm-hmm. um, because for girls especially, it's that time where we are deciding whether we're going to base our self-worth and value on what other people think of us. And okay, we do this somewhat all through our lives, (laughs) you know, (laughs) but especially in our teenage years, we're kind of really actively making the decisions, you know, about, is it okay to not be hanging with the popular girls? How do I feel about that? Mm. You know, my clothes, Venus, a Venus uh, appearance, you know, and how pretty I am and my body image. And, and, you know, if I'm not in a relationship, does that make me less of a woman, you know, and less attractive and less wonderful? And um, I really feel like our our teen years, adolescence, we just make those decisions about our identity that we can carry forward into young adulthood and beyond. And so, Living with these three young, beautiful uh, women uh, that I've watched grow from, gosh, they were uh, 10, 10, 12, and 14, 13, 11, 9, something like that when I first came into my my partner's uh, life in this household, and now they're in in their early 20s, Mm -hmm. Um, and I've just watched them with awe because their experience is like totally different than mine was (laughs) as a teenager. I'm like, they look comfortable with asking for what they want. They just have no hesitation. It's like saying, you know, this is what I'm about. This is who I am. This is what I want. Um, This is my sexual orientation today. And this is my sexual orientation tomorrow. Maybe it's a part of living in the Bay Area. I don't know. But I mean, it's like, wow, it's so radical. and, And they're just so independent and confident. 
And um, by contrast, again, I, I spent my teen years like kind of like, huh, looking at mirrors, you know, like, are how am I today looking in, in the mirror of my best friend or looking in the mirror in front of me and how I look and mirror, looking in the mirror of, of my boyfriends, you know, um, and I don't see these girls doing that so much. So it was kind of inspiring um, to, to be kind of thinking about this topic and be witnessing these lovely young ladies. And I, I certainly hope that maybe it's a generational thing, but um, I, I hope that more young women are able to kind of honor who they are and make that decision. You know, I don't need to do this to make somebody like me or to get their approval. Um, it doesn't, what it, oh, like two of the girls didn't actually have, uh, didn't have a boyfriend until their senior year and they were totally mm-hmm. cool with that. Hmm. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I needed that for my own, like right away. I was, you know, when I was a teenager, I was like, you know, I gotta, I gotta get the love. I gotta get the love, you know, that I wasn't getting from my own father, unfortunately, but mm-hmm. it became a huge preoccupation for me, you know, to have my worth and value and, and, uh, reinforced by a man as well as getting the affection from him. So, um, yeah, long story short, they did influence Venus yeah. signs. Hmm. <laughs> it's, it is interesting. The kids these days, they're just, they're so, I guess it's, they're so authentic. Yeah. No, they don't have, have to you wear seen masks. that? I, I have, they don't have to wear the masks. They don't, you know, it, it's, it's fascinating. Yeah. Okay, now this isn't necessarily something in your book, and maybe it is, and I missed it. But okay, so this summer we're going to have another uh, Venus retrograde. So how does that? I mean, that definitely seems to impact women a lot. I mean, they say that you know there's a lot more depression during a Venus retrograde, and um, that it can really impact us. But how do you see that? I mean. <laughs> a lot of people are saying, you know, if there's if Venus is in retrograde, don't be getting married this summer, and like that. There's a lot of kind of that they're looking at a lot of things that because it, it does affect us. I mean, last year we had both Venus and Mars at different times, but really close together at the beginning of the year um, in hard. retrograde. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was hard. Yeah, Venus in Capricorn retrograde and and Mars in Libra retrograde. Oh, yeah. It absolutely does affect us. Um, yeah, so kind of question is, uh, how will Venus and Leo retrograde affect us? Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's <laughs> summer and summer is, you know, we always mm-hmm. feel so much better, more confident in the summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, I like to kind of think of, uh, Venus retrograde. The feeling of it is, is kind of like you, you're like all excited to go to the zoo and to see this magnificent polar bear that they just got in from, you know, wherever polar bears come from. <laughs> so you're going to the zoo and you like, uh, you know, it's like the big day you planned and you get in the car, the whole family, and you got your packed lunch and you show up in front of the polar bear cage and the sign reads, polar bear is away today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, crestfallenness, disappointment. And it's, you know, it's like... Well, it's not such a big deal. It's Venus. It's just, you know, <clears throat> we just only devoted our whole day and planned for this for months to go here specifically to see this polar bear, and we've been radically let down. 
okay, well, it is a big deal. We all know that it doesn't feel good to have those types of experiences. And we tend to encounter more of those types of experiences while Venus is in in retrograde. So one of the things that I kind of orient myself towards during that retrograde period is, um, you know, honoring that, you know, Venus has a cycle like every other planet. And that, that retrograde period is that time for working with ourself on relationship issues and self-esteem issues and questions of valuation and worth, um, all these kinds of questions because initially we are going to be shown disappointment. We are going to be, I'm not making a blanket prediction, but will tend to have, maybe minor, maybe major for some people, depending on how Venus aspects your chart. But you'll have experiences um, where, you know, we're going to be disappointed or we're going to be feel like we're not given what we're worth and we're underpaid or we're not valued or we're not being respected by our partner, blah, blah, blah. The whole list of Venus issues. And that's the opportunity. <laughs> Always these planets give us the opportunity to go within and ask ourselves, well, you know, what am I worth? Um, is this the love I want? What am I missing? I think, too, with Venus in Leo, um, that's, it, she actually ret- begins retrograding in Virgo, right. but spends the majority of time in Leo. And the Leo preoccupation, really, Leo wants a grand mythic love affair. Every day needs to be like hearts and roses and Christmas morning with the ones you love. That's just kind of like if you have a Venus and Leo, that's how it has to be. (laughs) And and good for you. You know, you're going to attract that energy. You're going to beam out that energy. It's, but for the rest of us, some of us don't have Venus and Leo. I think it's going to be a time where people are, um, really asking for more from their partners and partnerships in, in regards to kind of, I, I maybe need more positive strokes and praise and affection and attention and recognition. Mm-hmm. and learning how to ask for it, learning how to ask for what you want, learning how to negotiate, you know. Um, and for some folks, you know, I, 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 have cl- I have lots of Venus retrograde stories, but, you know, it's like sometimes you really learn about the people you're with during Venus retrograde. And they say all that glitters is not gold. And so you'll have, you know, I, one experience I had, where I moved went in with a guy during Venus retrograde. I know, dumb, right? <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> Immediately found out that he was, you know, sleeping with other people. And, and I thought that I was, you know, his relationship. Right. You know, this is when I was younger, far younger. Um, <laughs> and uh, I just remember sitting there in this house that was just totally felt like horrible to me and the energy of it was terrible and I'm really sensitive to that and I was like sitting in the middle of this house he wasn't there I hadn't seen him for like three days and I had just arrived um and going I deserve better than this oh my god what am I doing here you know and it was Venus retrograde in Scorpio oh ouch (laughs) yeah it was painful it was painful and you know it got it got me I woke up I was like I this is not me I'm out of here. And um, I wasn't being valued. So 
And why did I put myself in that position? Of course, it's a deeper question. So you can go as deep as you want, as you know, I'm mm-hmm. sure with all the archetypes you can, with, with the transits happen, you take them as deep as, as you need to take them and you want to take them for your healing. So um, that's an opportunity that we have lots of opportunities for Venus retrograde. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you have your own. Uh, taken stories too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just, yeah. you know, it's just, it's it, it for women. It's just a time where we, you know, I guess we we really, if if we're lacking self confidence, it would be a time that it gets shined even brighter because mm. it's our it's our Venus. It's it's it is it's that person that we, you know, all of the things that we want to be. And it's in retrograde, so it's really getting giving us an opportunity to look at all of those things, those moments of the choices that we make. Mm. Choices is a good word for mm. Venus because we are always making choices and we don't realize we're making choices. And um, we have the choice to, you know, ask for what we want, like I said, to ask for what pleases us, to enroll in a yoga class that'll make us feel more connected to our body or, um, you know, belly do dancing. a number of things. Dancing, belly dancing. Yeah. <laughs> dancing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. belly dancing, belly, belly dancing, dancing for women, getting into their bodies and, yeah. and actually feeling, you know, sexy about it. That, that so that would be a wonderful use of Venus retrograde energy. Don't you think yes. like actually gravitating towards those those activities that we love that are deeply personal and can help heal our self-worth. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Well, Jessica, this has been so much fun. I can't wait until your seventh house book comes out because <laughs> I kind of, I have, I have a few things in the seventh house. So it's like, Oh, that'll be interesting. <laughs> yeah. So I definitely you. have you back when you're ready to, even if it's not out and you're just ready to talk about it, we can, uh, we can do that. That sounds great, Lori. If, if you want more information about Jessica, you can go to her website, jessicashepherd.net or moonkissed.com. And um, it's moonkissed, K-I-S-S-D.com. And you can see all of her books there. Is there anything else that you'd like to sort of impart us with at the end? Hmm. Um, buy my books. They're really good. <laughs> they are. <laughs> There's three of them and Valentine's Day is coming up and there's something for everybody because there's the book for people looking for love and the book for people who want to just feel great about themselves and feel that self-worth and confidence again. And the book about, you know, those people for people who are trying to get over a heartbreak or Mm -hmm. looking for kind of some understanding and closure around their karmic dates or wondering if the person they're dating is their karmic date. So something to please the whole family. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's been a great pleasure, Jessica. I'm glad we reconnected. I'm glad to. Thank you so much, Lori. It's always fun talking with you. So you have been listening to News for the Heart, and we've been getting to the heart of what matters. We've been talking with Jessica Shepard and her new books, get them and uh, you will definitely enjoy. Thank you again. Have a question for Lori and want to be on the next news from the heart show? Drop us a line via instant feedback at bmajor.org. News from the heart is brought to you by Intuitive Soul and is produced by Major Radio for Clear Channel's iHeartRadio and bmajor.org. 